0: Friday afternoon deploy is a finite state machine stuck in the error status. This, that's what I love about the crispy egg. It's a sunny side up egg, but you let it cook so long that the bottom is damn near burnt and it's actually not runny on top. So you get like the crispiness of a sunny side up egg, but not the runniness. It's more like an over easy egg as far as like the doneness of it. And it's very good.
1: Oh, oh I always make, I put, you know, like the canned potatoes.
0: Can't wait.
2: can hold on. Canned yeah. Po- potatoes. <laughs> that's a like, yeah, they're just like potatoes. cut up
1: potatoes that are canned.
2: I love that. That Casey just waved that one off. I'm not, i no. i and i Let me back that up because obviously, fifty percent of the audience has heard of them. It's Based on our true. four data points, that's yeah, right, yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have not heard of canned potatoes. I'm trying to scan and visualize canned potatoes because maybe they're canned potatoes and I just haven't put it together.
0: They're, uh, no, they're like don't. cutting little wedges, you know? Um,
1: These are like diced ones. Yeah. They're like, yeah. And then yeah, you know, they're just canned, like like all canned vegetables.
0: Yeah, man, like, a, like a canned green bean. Okay, I got you. I got and you. Then So It's not the, cooked, it's raw.
1: No. So canned potatoes, two eggs, and two like spoonfuls of flour. Yeah. You mix all that together. Spray a pan, put it in a pan. It'll be like a little like a hash.
2: Yeah. thing. Okay. I can get behind that. I love potatoes and eggs. So Can't get wrong with potatoes not, and eggs. I've not done it that way. Is it like, a, was it, was it a hash? Like if you get a can of corned beef hash and it's got the potatoes in there.
0: Minus the corned beef. Yes.
2: Right. Right. Obviously no corned beef It's like egg hash, but not even an egg. It's just hash.
1: I yeah. used to make this exact thing with tuna instead of potatoes,
0: tuna and eggs. Now that's what yeah, I haven't it's, tried.
1: That's Whoa. like a Korean thing. Mm. It's like a tuna egg cake kind of thing. I know
0: a lot of, cu- a lot of cuisines do fish for breakfast, but like, I just, I have, I it took me a long time to adapt to being a breakfast eater. And now I'm a big fan. As you all know, I've I turned know. into, I'm, I'm Leslie from, uh, the Patriot now or Patriot. um, but Uh, it's the optimistic optimistic meal meal. a whole spread uh yeah so i'm a fan but the but is it took me a long time to get there and it's because like i would just get queasy if i ate a bunch of food in the morning like my my stomach was not ready to do a lot of digesting first thing in the morning and for that reason i have not been able to get behind seafood for breakfast Mm. And I'm a seafood I, fan. I just can't do it. I can't just roll out of bed and chow down on some tuna.
1: I always eat that for lunch. See, that's
0: I I love breakfasty stuff yeah. for lunch. I love me some We had uh well, we I posted in Slack. You guys got to see. We did yeah, scotch eggs good. for that's dinner scotch scotch last egg. night. Yeah. Oh my god, those were that's, so good.
2: Scotch eggs are great. That's what I was going to say is the problem is you've la- you've locked egg into breakfast in your mind. You have to free the egg. Mhm let the egg go other
0: places <laughs> i mean i think the scotch egg is still a breakfast because like we wrapped it in a breakfast sausage like we ate it for dinner don't get me wrong i just mean that like it was definitely cooked up like breakfast and i was sitting there eating it going really? like this needs some hollandaise sauce on it uh um, see i've
2: always had it like pub food and oh, really? so it's not it, it's meant to like accompany pints
0: do you uh do you for, eat yours with bro- mustard pints for breakfast I I I, tr- I I read a recipe that said serve it with mustard, so we tried it, and it was interesting. Honey mustard might be better. Um, a little extra. It's all. It's super savory through and through. So you put some mustard on it, oh, and yes. it's just
3: like. I used to eat mustard on my eggs when I was growing up.
0: I'm a I am I, I love mustard savory stuff, yeah. but uh, I used to eat
3: mustard on everything.
0: Though I used to eat mustard sandwiches, Alan. Yeah, me straight too. up. That was a snack that I would ask for. Is just put some mustard on a bread, and I would eat it. Especially my if
3: fresh Wonder Bread,
0: you know, mm, a real, real soft and fluffy. Yeah,
3: yeah. Soak up yep. mustard.
0: It's another I want, food episode. Hot I can sauce tell. and
2: mustard on everything.
0: That's uh, commendable.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he's he's in that stage. He's he's kind of moved there slowly, but I'll never forget when we were sitting at the dinner table. This was probably a year ago, maybe two. So he was like ate at the at the oldest and uh, we're at the table and he's just like talking to him about like, I love hot food. Uh, hot food's not hot to me. It's no big deal. I can eat any hot food. <laughs> I can, I can eat food hotter than dad. And I was just like, excuse me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, Son, you're getting
0: old enough and, to know that uh, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. call a man out well, like Sarah's, that. And he has, he must defend himself.
2: <laughs> exactly. Sarah's just like, oh, can you? And I'm like, no, no, no. This is alpha male business. This, is, <laughs> this Fetch. is lizard brain interactions that are taking place right now. I'm going get ghost peppers right now. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot what we ate, but I definitely proved like, nah, boy,
0: you got years to go. <laughs> oh, man. I, uh, I love spicy everything, and I'll put hot sauce on pretty much anything. Um, Henry hasn't. He's too young to acquire taste for it. Spice scares him. He's afraid of it. He's straight up afraid of hot sauce. He's like, that's the pain sauce. That's pain liquid.
1: I think I I got my dad beat on that now. Nice. Forever, it was like that. Like, I would eat hot stuff, but he could always eat hotter stuff than me. But now I think I've got him beat.
0: I found out that uh, being a smoker gives you an extreme advantage. And I found that out when I I smoked for, like, um, probably, like, six or seven years in my 20s and then quit for a few years and then dabbled there and back again ever since. But, um, when I quit, when I quit smoking in my twenties, I lost so much heat tolerance, like food that I would eat regularly. I was like, why, why did they change their recipe? This didn't used to hurt so much. Um, and so I had, I had falsely convinced myself that I had more heat tolerance. I just had a bunch of dead taste buds that didn't work. um, so when that when, when your sense of taste comes back, uh so does your sense of uh pain. So uh yeah. That was a that was an interesting lesson to learn. So then I had to recover. Then I had to get myself back up to eating, you know, five star Thai food uh after that.
1: Yeah, my brother in law he lost his sense of smell. I don't know if he has it back completely still. He lost his sense of smell because he had cancer. Oh really? So they had to like cut it out of his nose or whatever. Flip it out of his nose.
0: I thought you were gonna say that 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 he just like lost his sense of smell recently, and I was like, you know that's a coronavirus symptom, right? Uh oh. No,
1: this has been like over I don't I think it's a year. Got it. Or more probably. Interesting to hear if,
0: if it comes back or not, if that's something that can be um if you can regen that. Like Wolverine
1: I think it came back somewhat. I don't know if it came back all the way no, all
0: the way i saw I saw a meme it, this is part of the show where we, I'm gonna offend someone uh I saw a meme that was like scientists say loss of uh uh loss of taste is a symptom of covid nineteen, and then the next pain is this like really freaked out looking cartoon with his eyes really big, and it was like live, laugh, love, decor owners be like. <laughs>
1: so i was telling all of them that i'm gonna have to get a test for it because i have to go do the this go to the doctor to get a scope or whatever and they're making me get a test first
0: right yeah
1: and and before she set me up for a test she asked me all this stuff do you have that it was like 20 things and i'm like bro i know not all of those i'm gonna mean i have <laughs> coronavirus it was like literally everything, like anything that could happen to you a day, every day. Like, do you have a stomach ache? Do you have all this shit? I'm like, do yeah. you even know?
0: I yeah, <laughs> totally. I I, I, <laughs> <If> I
2: <laughs> why do you think I'm at the doctor right now? Why do you think I want this scope?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, and also, uh, just like I've seen some of the lists. I don't. I don't know about you guys. I've convinced myself that I've gotten coronavirus um, several times so far. Sometimes allergies, sometimes just like because if you read a symptom list, it's like, do you have unexplained aches and pains? And I'm like, every day of my life. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've had a few. I'm not like, 16, you know?
3: <laughs> I haven't full blown like panicked yet, but there's been a couple of times like yesterday uh, when I went to the office and I was coming home and then like my throat's a little scratchy, but allergies. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: I'm kind of like, <clears throat> oh no. Oh no! I I know I shouldn't have left the house. I don't know. I've had some serious um, allergy bouts this season that have convinced me, like to the point where, um, uh, from 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 the from the driver's seat here where I'm sitting inside of my body. It it definitely seems like I have a fever, temperature wise I don't, but like flushed, eyes burning, chills and things like that, and to the point where I've gotten a the thermometer out, I've been like, nope, you're normal. Oh, oh wait, you breathed in a lot of pollen, and that's what you get for going outside. So that's I've had a few of those.
1: My dad could have had it, I guess, because there's one time where he got sick for like two weeks. He had like a cough. And I don't know if he had a fever or not. Maybe, it, maybe sometimes. So he might have gotten a mild case of it. Because
0: it's it's totally possible. Um, Paige and Henry and I, all three of us, were sick for two weeks um, before our trip when we went down to Mexico earlier this year, which was late February. And we had it was right after um, Tyrell after we got back from Salt Lake City. So yeah. we had been traveling. We had been on airplanes with strangers. Um, oh, man. It's a possibility, you know.
2: We probably got it from the our, our Uber our driver. Our Uber
0: driver in Salt Lake. If anybody gives me a, a crazy disease, it would have to be that guy.
1: There have been yeah. so many freaking scares at my mom's nursing home of people who, who may have come in with it. Oh, I like can this imagine. one nurse got tested for it. I don't know what the result was, but she had to be isolated for mm-hmm. like two weeks another nurse who couldn't come in and they actually i think they she ended up quitting because they wouldn't let her not come in because she said i have a hundred and some fever Mm. and they're like no come in anyway we're short on people she's like fine that i quit
0: that sounds like a really bad idea yeah
1: yeah and so now they've lost like three nurses and they don't have enough people to like run the facility i'm with tyrell
0: tiny applause she did the right thing don't um, go yeah, anywhere she
1: and then this other girl who basically had she like collapsed on the ground because she has a medical condition and her boyfriend also works there and he's like she had to go to the hospital and he's like I'm gonna go to the hospital with her they're like you're both fired <laughs> because you had a medical emergency so they're like yeah we quit
0: lord
2: yeah uh, to clarify for the listeners, Willow's mom works in a nursing home,
0: correct? Yeah,
2: so that's why she understands like the 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 more job focused portion of it than like if her mother was a patient for sure. Um, but not that I don't know that clarity was necessary, but both of what?
0: It's good to it's good to have it. It's good to wow. have it. Not everyone wow. tunes into every episode, uh, and yeah, and and I understand why because uh, yeah. sometimes. <laughs> people- <laughs> Cause sometimes we about- we forget to talk about code, you know. Yeah. yeah, Alan, what's going on? What's tell me what's up? You got a we got David uh,
2: Blaine down here. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> <I, laughs>
1: Alan's
0: practicing yeah. some the, cardistry in the background. I, I started can, entertaining myself with a little uh,
3: do, do. Oh no, my hands are sweaty. Oh, I, I saw know. it almost oh, happen. To look
2: at that! now. he pulled a good one off. Yeah, the first one. It looks back. It, look.
0: it, it's like when you, you can't talk. When you talk, you're full screen but it's you probably pull off a lot more sleight of hand in the thumbnail yeah, I'm you not, know
2: yeah. oh, yeah. okay. that's why you got to go to the Brady bunch view the Brady bunch
0: view the gallery view uh,
2: oh,
1: have yeah. we talk about what we talk about in the book club in the podcast
0: we should it totally yeah. that's actually, that's actually programming, to content, programming content isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> for our for our listeners uh, uh we we do an internal uh, a company book club um Usually technical books. So far, all technical yeah. books. Maybe we'll yeah, make Alan everybody the, sit through a marketing book club or something. Yeah. But Alan uh,
2: is the bookmaster. Bookmaster
0: Alan over there. He leads us in our learnings. That's, that was a pretty slick one, Alan. That was better. That was yeah. a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the, the the Brady Bunch just, view is nicer. If for yeah, for those of you good. at home, if you don't switch, use the gallery view in Zoom. If you got a bunch of people, this is way better.
2: Yeah. If if it's more conversational. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've been talking about um design patterns on and off yeah. for a while. There's a, Alan, uh, take over whenever you want, but kind of like look for the book. We've talked about it. Oh, no, no, we've talked about this in podcasts. Yeah, you know, uh, Python. Is that programming, object oriented programming in Python 3?
3: Python 3 object oriented program That's the book?
2: Yep. yep. That's it. the
3: book. Yeah. And I, I'm on sure we've referenced patterns. it before. Um, and so yeah, so our team uh has been working through that. Um and and we're towards the back of it, um, you know, and, and COVID happened and everything, so it got kind of hectic, but uh we uh we resurrected it and uh and we had a really wow. good uh discussion today about state patterns and um and strategy patterns as well there at the end, Tyrell. You had to duck out. I
2: missed the strategy patterns. Huh? Well I said I missed the strategy patterns. That's yeah,
3: funny. yeah. So so they're you know, they and they're great to look at together because if you look at UML of a strategy pattern versus a state pattern, they're the same thing. Yeah. You know? But but they kind of accomplish different things like a, a strategy, you know, the example that the book gives is like um like a, a desktop background app. And if you were going to try and kind of infer the size of the image, if you should do a tiled strategy or a centered strategy or a scaled strategy, you know, the strategy is sort of kind of a, a an end goal where, um, you know, a state pattern, it could transition in and out of any, any of those states. states. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yeah. They, uh,
2: was it, I think they said the awareness with uh yes. state patterns they're they're aware of each other where the strategy pattern, they are
0: not did it yeah, uh, i i didn't get to join the the book club this week, but did it on the state pattern did it actually go as far as as to talking about state machines or uh,
2: not? not it didn't use that terminology like mm-hmm. it didn't talk about state machines in that sense.
0: No. i guess not it's a little bit that 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 book or at least that portion of it's a little more abstract because state machines are are well they're finite state machines they're quite finite in fact, Um, but finite state machines, like subtopic computer science, something that I really enjoy. Mm. Um, I find them fun to build. I think they're really powerful. Um, Everybody knows what they are, but they may not know it's called that. And and once you know to call it that, you know, like most design patterns, once you know what it is and the Mm. rules around it, you're like, oh, I've been doing that for a while, but also only like 90% of the way. And now that I have a little theory behind it, I can implement yeah. those even better. Finite state machines are the same way.
3: That's what I figured out with the strategy pattern. Cause I, I was like going to wrap up the, the meeting and then Willow was like, Oh, Hey, wait, we, uh, we skipped over strategy patterns. And then I, I had to go look at it real quick and then was like, yeah, I've, yeah, I've done this. I haven't like consciously gone. Like I can use a strategy pattern here, mm-hmm. but I've, I've definitely had, Code that you know enough of it was in common that I was just trying to dry it up. I was just being a lazy programmer mm-hmm. and going i don 't want to write that multiple times like if I just use some inheritance here uh, i can I can write less lines of code, make it more efficient and easier to maintain um, and um, but you know i I've, I've definitely done some strategy patterns in uh in the uh, that e commerce uh, back end uh, that uh that I worked on and Willow worked on um uh, you know, there's, there's different kinds of orders coming through on that guy. Like, and so there's commonalities between uh, a digital order, but um, it may be a digital product. It may be a physical product. So the fulfillment process uh, that comes out of that order uh, can be a different strategy.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: so yeah, that was kind of looking at, it, yeah, this is familiar. Um So that one was was really cool. I want to the next meeting. I I want to dive into the flyweight uh, pattern a little bit if I can find a a good example of that. Austin and I were kind of talked about that um, because he said that one comes up a lot in game development. So like flyweight is just a way to um, optimize your memory usage. So like from a game point of view, it's really easy to think of it. Um, the way Austin described it is if you have a, like, you got a lot of trees in the background, um, they're all going to use the same bark texture. So you don't have to load that into memory multiple times. So the flyweight pattern is a way to reference that texture, you know, once in memory, but to be able to build multiple instances of this object mm. that, you know, reference that one, uh, address in memory. Um,
2: so that differs from. Singletons
0: because
2: it's uh, a separate instance of that mm-hmm. same yeah, you object. They have multiple, than yeah. literally the same object.
0: Sounds like almost yeah. like you you um, you take uh, so you have multiple instances, but you take some state that is similar on those like one individual piece of state yeah. and put that into a, a sort of neutral space that they so, can will reference.
3: Yeah, so so I was thinking of like a I was trying to think of a, a back end example and he thought of one that um for instance if you were ingesting a whole bunch of geo data and the so the geographical coordinates on the earth are not going to change potentially um, but maybe a lot of the data that's associated with these different geographical coordinates, you know, would be different. And so it would be a way you could kind of think of it like if you stored the geographical data in one table and then the metadata in another table, then you can reference all the geo data back to, yeah, all the metadata you can reference back to uh, one row. One row. Geodata table.
2: I don't
0: see. I don't know if this example is a true implementation of the pattern because it's more of an infrastructure than like an actual code design pattern, but it basically sounds like, um, you know, the central premise behind caching, like caching based systems. Now, the flyway pattern may implement something else that's more sophisticated or has a different set of rules specifically, but essentially, you know, um, there's this one piece of information that many users are going to need to retrieve. It's going to be the same for all of them, and there's no reason to compute it at runtime, compute it once, and then have a way to reference it by some key. I cannot... Tyrell is frozen in this just amazing freeze frame of his face. He's back now.
3: Sure, I was like, man, he is really riveted yeah
0: he's back now Now, but he was like full like uh top row of teeth Hmm. clutching his jaw thinking uh (laughs) kind of maniacally it looked like for a minute there you're back tyrell welcome back there he is
2: i i changed networks i have to jump between my 2.4 and my five
0: gig i have to do that a lot depending
2: on where i'm sitting especially because i've got literally two sets of mirrors between myself and the router in my office.
0: Is it the problem that I have is that I have, um, I have an access point here in this office and my devices do not do a good job of switching between this access point and the other. And so it will stay like, I'll have a device. I can look at like at any point and pull up my cell phone and see that I've got like half ass wifi signal, even though I'm three inches away from a router right here and it's because it's still connected to the other one. They have the same SSID. It's supposed to yeah. manage it in theory, but that doesn't work. So, yeah. and, and it won't see them both since they have the same SSID. You can only connect to one. So the only solution is to switch between the 2 gigahertz and the 5 gigahertz one. And then when I switch, it always picks up the strongest one. But um, that's my problem is I don't know how that process works, but I know that it's, it doesn't work well.
3: I had a similar one and I had it in, uh, so I had it in our bedroom for a while, but it's got this blinking green light of, of network, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm, doing, I'm doing the things. And, um, and it did that to me the other night, like, uh, either the computer or the fire stick, uh, didn't connect to it and tried to connect to the 5g, which the 5g only works really good in the living room. Right. Uh, so then I just got frustrated and unplugged it. Like if you're not going to use it, <laughs> it won't keep me awake with its blinking at night. You won't blink at me. Yeah, <laughs> I need. To, I, I the, need to put it out here, though. This would be this would be a good spot for it out in the garage.
0: Oh yeah,
2: I missed the conclusion of strategy patterns. Where did we end up?
3: I don't think uh, we concluded it. Yeah, no. Uh, you right. know that's ongoing.
2: I distracted <laughs> you with my maniacal smile. Apparently,
3: that's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Willow, what do you have it. from Book Club? We got into uh, we got into flyweight uh, pattern. Oh, sorry, right. we were
2: talking flyweight.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, uh,
1: it's, I want to go back to state. Yeah, because state. the, yeah. the book. It. Alan, remember the book? The other book we were talking about with strategy. The uh, the first design patterns.
3: Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah.
1: that one does have a state uh, section, and it's got stuff about state machine.
0: I nice. freaking love state machines, um, and like okay. So anyone who's ever built a class or a model that has a status field on it, you have built a state machine. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more to mm-hmm. that pattern, right? So if you've built, um, if you've built a, we'll make it web dev, right? So if you built a, a data model with a, a you know, status flag or a state flag or whatever, you know, new, done, deleted, whatever that flag is. It's maybe it's, it's specifically if it's got multiple known potential states, right? So you have a constant list of states that it can move between. Um, that's that's the kind of central piece of a state machine. But um, in a state machine, you also recognize that there are transitions, which are changes in states. Um, and side effects, and so um, a uh, a a side effect is something that happens during a transition, so to like fully implement a good state machine, you have some piece of state that 's tracking the status um, then you use some sort of it can be like an instance method or you can use like an outside factory, but something that performs the transitioning you know it 's a lot like mutations in like flux right um the idea is that you're not supposed to go onto that instance and change its state manually and directly. You're supposed to send it through either some factory or function, or call some method on it that actually changes the state. And it's through that process that you can register different side effects that happen. So, the full blown implementation of that system is say like I have, you know, um, something that has a state of either new or done, right? Um, and then I have some sort of transition function that will transition from new to done when I call it called like finish. So if I call the finish function, the state changes. And in that finish function, I might call some side effect that I want to happen when this thing becomes done. And then you can get more sophisticated from there. Sets of rules that define um, sort of a whitelist between states. So you can enforce things like in order to transition to this state, you can only be in one of these source states. So you have source states and target states and then various side effects that happen on those transitions. And then you can get really creative from there. I've built ones that like, you know, were designed to be like a developer API. So if you attempted to do a state transition, you know, it would raise like a not implemented error. Like you mm-hmm. haven't implemented a transition function for this state change. Um, or something that's more user facing, or like really cool ways to hook and just say like, here's a side effect. I want to register it on this state tracked model, and I always want it to run when the source state is this and the destination state is that. And then you can like apply states or uh, side effects to transitions at runtime. Super fun. Yeah. And almost everybody's built something like that. They just might not have thought about categorizing their transitions separately from their side effects. You know. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna
2: call at- state machine though. It's way more metal when you
0: call it a state machine, finite state yeah, machine, it does FSM state machine, metal. Yeah, hey, did you guys hear that new that. FSM record? Um, it's really good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so,
3: <laughs> so I pulled up, uh, I actually pulled up that book, uh, Willow, um, head first design patterns. And so the example of the state machine, they have state state machines, one Oh one. Uh, mm. they have a gumball machine. Mm. So for instance, you could have, uh, um, an integer that represents sold out. You could have an integer that represents no quarter, uh, one that's has quarter, and another one that's sold.
0: I was just thinking of the Led Zeppelin song. Yeah, no I quarter. Like, just just no set quarter. it to no quarter yeah. and just leave it there. Yeah. Just let it loop.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's its default state is no quarter. No quarter.
0: That's right.
3: Uh the and and here's another tangent. Um Tool the tool cover covered. that's right yes yes off of off of that DVD collection Uh,
0: uh salable yes. Yeah, yes yeah yeah or, or salable however you pronounce it. it who fucking yeah. knows how to pronounce a tool no but don't co- put the
2: emphasis on the wrong syllable Syllible.
0: yeah syllable that's what appreciated that's all that matters their their cover
3: of no quarter though is, is quite oh
0: good. I love that album the no yeah. the the no quarter cover and the live version of um, uh, oh. is it. Uh, push it or, uh, yeah, the the yeah, name? Yeah. called Push It,
3: yeah, it's Push It, um, yeah, because that's the one where he starts out where he's all like, So, uh, we're like, we've been trying something a little new on this tour. What he uh, meant was
0: that last D, yeah,
3: that's right. So, yeah. it's like, so we're going to go on a journey. Uh, I want you all to trust us and be open and, and uh, we'll looking at on
0: uh, one of our songs from a different angle under a different yes! light, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. different <laughs> yeah. point of view, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> So anyway, yeah, no. Stuff. Okay, no quarter. Sorry. I know what I'm doing. Set after me here. off. Anything. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> now I got to hear that album. Um, but yeah, so so then, like you were saying, you can have. So they have a insert quarter method, and then that's the guy that's obviously going to kind of check the state, um, and see what to do next based on if it has a quarter, if there is no quarter, uh, if the item is sold out, or. Uh, is it in a sold state as in, you know, it's finished, it's completed.
0: Does it have like um, a purely linear kind of state? I see, I see Sarah in the background. I'm just going to wave at her. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> she gets a name yeah. drop on the podcast too. Yeah. There she goes.
2: Wait, can I well, can't <laughs> when you were sitting there for a moment. <laughs> yeah. She <laughs> can hear you as well.
0: And not just me, <laughs> everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <Everybody>. <laughs> He was just popped was out of Silicon Valley there. Background. That's yep. right. Tyrell's wife exactly. walked through the. She pierced the veil of your Silicon Valley background there on Zoom. Yep. So in that example, Alan, is it like totally linear, or do they allow forward and backward transitions? Uh,
3: that's a great question. Because so you can uh, make
0: you can make things a lot simpler, right? If you just have like three states and it's always linear, you can only move forward. Right. Then you don't have to track source and destination. You just like progress, just next becomes your state machine. Well, next state, next state, next state.
1: You will be going backwards once yeah. you, so let's say you put the quarter in, it accepts the quarter. It turns to crank. Yep. You get your thing. Then it should go back, back to, to the
3: original state. Yeah. Right. And, and then they, you know, there's, um, Yeah, I was going to say, after I scrolled down and you asked me that, Casey, there's lines with explanations going all over the code. So I was like, yes, I think think it goes back and forth. Those are all the
0: different potential transitions. Right, right.
3: So like one of them is eject quarter. And it's like, now if the customer tries to remove the quarter, how do we handle that? Um, uh, Customer tries to turn the crank. um, And then that's where you got to check sold, sold out, has quarter. And then dispense, of course, that needs to check to see if it's already sold that's a
0: great one tyrell that's a great they even have like a,
1: you know like they even have a set state named yeah. method.
0: yep so
2: that's that's yeah that that setter is, is helpful there. I know the last product company that I worked for relied heavily on state machine and and basically there was kind of one one reset point like there's like the origin point and then a couple states down there was like a this is the point where all the magic happens and once you go beyond this point to ensure that that everything that's necessary uh, as this data is processed you would always have to reset it to that that magic reset point you never did take it all the way back to the beginning yeah mm. but you could you could never go back one or back two it was like not Set it back to this.
0: So many and, and workflows so this, like require some amount of rules around. You can't just freely transition from any state to another. Right. Mm. Exactly.
2: And that's honestly that, that's some of the things we're considering for one of our our our, our key clients right now. I know because, I built one of my so much data processing.
0: Yeah, I yeah. built one of my token state machines. Is there? I don't know to what level of of development is there, but I know that. It's, when data gets uploaded, you know it has to move through some steps and i I, right. I kind of remember implementing one of my favorite parts of that, which is just like um using that state machine to make really sane assertions so that you don't accidentally reprocess code right so rather than right. a transition it's like when once you know that something is is supported by a state machine like some model, then when you go to use an instance of that class somewhere else in your code you can make some assertion about what state it's in. So like, mm. you know, if, you're, if it's the code that does some sort of background processing and it's not in the ready for processing state, you you make an assertion in your code and like, it'll blow up, you'll get a runtime error exception, but it won't destroy any data, right? Right, um, right. So that's, that's really neat.
2: Yeah, it's, we're, so we're, we're, we're leaning into that a little more heavily at this point because we're looking at how to reprocess things
0: got to reset um, the state
2: and,
3: Yeah. Now. um but but what's not, funny though go ahead i was going to say maybe not set it all the way back to the beginning you right, know. right. We,
2: we're yeah. ideally we will end up at a point where each each point in the the etl so to speak will be a, like an almost idempotent kind of like discrete step where as long as this step is complete you can complete the next step you don't have to go all the way back and and complete a series of steps to get you to that point you just pick up at your point of failure, like rerunning a failed circle, CI, deploy, or right, flow, right. Mm. which we're all very familiar with. Mm.
0: Who hasn't? <laughs> I, I don't know about you guys. I've never had a circle job fail, ever. No? Yeah, everyone. What? It's, it's no. a tragedy. Green since the beginning. No, you can't do that. You, it doesn't even matter how good of a fake programmer you're pretending to be. Circle yeah. will crash and burn on you. No matter yeah, how good your tests works. are, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <That's, laughs> at some point, yeah, it's just gonna fail. can't be done.
1: The thing um, for our one product, it does it. It doesn't matter. It does it every single day, just because yeah. of the rancher.
0: Yeah, we got yeah. a ran- that, that rancher thing, yeah. but that yeah, we've we've nuts. got that same one on this other exactly. App- Willow, that that been, is been, that is systemic that in our prepared. tooling there.
2: I love that we brought Willow into this project for like two days and she's
0: already just like every day this happened. Yeah. She's right. No, she's, <laughs> it's, it's, she's talking about a delegate delegate. That's what does that's on delegate, too? delegate does the exact same thing. So that's, so that's on. All it's, our just, it's just, it's just, it's just some business as usual project. shit from rancher. When you, sometimes when you make a request from the rancher API in it, it closes the connection before it sends you a status response, an actual response. So it's yeah, successful. Like I always
1: expected to fail the first time. I'm like, Oh, okay. Just run again. It'll yep. do it. will be fine. Yeah,
0: yep. exactly. You run from failed. You're going to fit in great. Yeah. <laughs> That's not, that one's like not a circle part.
3: one. That's a rancher. one. That, like I've asked that one like four times last night at, at, at like two
0: in the morning. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I can't <laughs> oh, how excited I am to know that that happens on delegate as yeah. well as our main client app right
0: now no the machines they do exactly as they're told i don't know what bad instruction we're giving it but they are consistent across two different rancher deploys so
2: yeah so uh for anyone who wouldn't know ranchers are kubernetes uh management tool it makes kubernetes less it's like uh yaml yaml and uh (laughs) dictionaries of terms
0: it's a kubernetes Um, easy bake oven yeah, yeah,
2: it's
3: great. Mm-hmm. It sits on sits on top of the the API that you get from Kubernetes out of the box. It's just somebody else has already written the UI to interact with it.
0: A, a, a better a GUI, slightly yeah. Less, yeah.
2: Slightly less the difference between a workload and a node. Yeah, and a pod. And,
0: and it's and a multi-tenant. That's the other thing that's cool about it that you yeah. that through that one Rancher install you can provision and administer multiple Kubernetes clusters, which is awesome for us in our line of work where we're yep. putting each customer on its own, uh, you know, cluster. So we need to be able to get access to all those clusters. And There's we want one really big rancher. security point of failure. Just kidding. But nice. also, that's something to consider, right? <laughs> it has role based <laughs> access. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. I never, I never
2: touched a lofty rancher.
0: Yeah, that's true. Well, the, that's true. We, we actually have been setting up independent rancher installs for each of them. But the mm. Lofty Rancher's got a couple of products in it. Speaking of which, I mentioned that on our episode last week, that we had been building a product. But I did not go into much detail on it. And I'm ready to do it now. I'm ready to sure. share it with our discerning audience. Because we're excited about it. Yeah. Um, so we built, we built something called Delegate. And I don't know if Tyrell and Alan, if you guys have gotten to sling much code at it yet. Mm. Uh, but Your time will come. I I've PR'd
2: a lot of code for it. That's right. Or I've uh, I've code reviewed a lot of code for reviewed. it. But I haven't flung any at it.
0: So so Will and I and I have written most of it. Um but it we I prototyped it internally like late last year um to solve a problem for us which is managing uh, business processes. Stuff that we normally built really complicated spreadsheets as checklists for and then we like well it's actually it's kind of interesting because we're talking about Uh, patterns here, and I can talk about, I haven't figured out the right way to describe this tool to a non-technical person. It doesn't do a technical job. There's just a really, really good way to describe it to engineers that I haven't figured out how to describe it to normies as well. But essentially you define your process, and that's a class, and then you spawn an instance of that process, and that's a checklist. Um, And that succinctly tells you exactly what it is um, there's a different way, there's a different marketing speak way we have to describe that. So so it's called Delegate, and uh, the, the idea is that you come in, you use it for either people processes, or like we've even um, tried out building deployment checklists and stuff with it. You have some standard process, here are the things that need to be done when some action happens, here are the people responsible, and then we've got this really um, kind of novel way of setting up due dates on it, in which you um, you define when things are due relative to when an action happens, we call it an anchor date. Uh, So the idea is you say, oh, well, when we hire someone, we need to do these 10 things. And then you define due dates on those things as it needs to happen three days before they're hired and six days after they're hired. Um, And so when it's time to actually hire someone, you click one button. You get a full checklist for their new hire process, onboarding, whatever it is. And all of the assignments to who it's responsible for it and the due dates are calculated at runtime right then. Uh, And then it just gives you a dashboard and tools to keep track of it. So we opened it up for free access. So if any of our listeners are interested in trying it out in your organization or trying it out just to see... Uh, the quality of our own code here. You can go peek at it, although it's not minified in production, so fuck you. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) if you want to go peek at our JavaScript, too bad. You can try. Uh, But yeah, it'd be cool uh, to, if you want to try it out in your company or just to see it, you can check it out at, uh, what's the URL for it? DelegateHQ.com. And yeah, it's invitation only right now, but mash the button or send us a comment on Patreon or something. Just get in touch. We'll set yeah. you up an account. It's real easy. So, yeah, that's exciting, right?
3: Yeah. And I like I like how, you know, I can't remember if you mentioned that or not, but how it, um, you know, you can set up like a different user. And as much as like this person is responsible for this task, Correct. this person is yeah. responsible for that task, too. That's, you know, that could be a tricky part of all that to
0: keep up with. You know, it's not a to-do list app. You could right. you could right. na- you could naively look at it without knowing better and think, "Oh, I it's mean, just a it to-do could, list app." It's it a, could probably
3: accomplish that. Correct. But-
0: yeah, but it's a it's a to-do list app with um, a really robust templating system on top of it, and it's got some opinions on how you use it. It's not open ended because uh, it's made for business processes. Plus, um, with those assumptions in place, we've got some cool ideas for future features. Um, periodic tasks that run automatically in the background for like daily, weekly, monthly type stuff. Um, and we have we have one customer on there right now. I haven't talked to you guys about this. That is like jacked about having one process trigger the next process. So they want to define the procedures independently and run them when they happen. But in some cases, basically, like when this item gets checked off, it should spawn a new process with whatever date. The anchor date being whatever date the other thing was completed. So they can set up a bunch of different processes that cascade, but like it, by finishing one step, the next step automatically fires off. And that's really cool because it keeps the workflow. I don't want people... This is was my saying for a long time. There are other competitive tools out here that kind of do it. But if people have to come in and like build a UML diagram of their workflow, that's not what this tool is trying to accomplish. If this, mm. then that. Logical branches... Um, it's just not built for that and honestly because I think that those are really complicated processes that you either need an ERP or you're overthinking it. It's opinionated um, and so that is a unique way to give people the ability to have like those sort of logical forks of when this is done do this instead um, without forcing everyone to go through that workflow so that's some stuff we're working on we'd like to get some feedback um, it's Django on the back end it's Vue on the front end all deployed on a uh, rancher-managed Kubernetes cluster. It's our favorite Damn. stack in yes. the AWS. I can't remember what other to use with it. Celery, oh, RabbitMQ. Yeah. Rabbit, get, key-
2: get them keywords in there.
0: RabbitMQ, Celery, uh, Postgres. Redis, Postgres. No Elasticsearch yet. Celery, beet. Hmm. Mm, Some Flower. No, I don't forward, think we're running Flower yeah. in there. You could be. We just trust Scramming it. We just trust it. Like, hey, man, I told you, you to send that email. You'll do it.
1: Yeah. So I, you're well, good for I'll it. I know you're good bad. for real it, time. you know? Get All flour the flour tasks aren't going to Yeah, I was going to say, up, like, this
3: guy's been deploying some flour like crazy in, in our other I know product.
1: about that flower.
3: Celery flour. We watched we him do it last night.
1: They're not <laughs> going right now. They're, they're so basic. They're not going to like. Freak out and stop in the middle of something. Cause it asked to do eight million things. Yeah, right.
0: most of our tasks are literally like send an email, um, and that's it. So no okay. long running tasks. That's helpful. Well,
2: and that's where that's where I, I want us to move toward. And I didn't get to talk about this in a book club. If we can utilize state machine to um, reduce the chained task calls. Mm um mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's where i want us to, to to move to we we did some some uh how shall we say did some speed coding mm. uh, in this last sprint sprint plus if you will
0: sprint, and, plus. sprint uh, uh it was the uh it was the lamb chop sprint The mega
3: it yes was.
2: it was the lamb chop yeah,
0: mega sprint mega, mega ultra sprint
2: um and uh i think to accomplish the task that we needed to through salary. We did some things that work, but I think
0: I like that. Like <laughs> you're staring off into the distance. Yeah. We yeah. did some things, okay. We did what we had to do. We did what we did. had, we had to do. We shipped some code. Uh, uh, things are code. different at wartime, okay. There's the the right. rule the 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 rule of law is out the window. Yeah.
2: Don't ask Grandpa about Korea. Uh-huh. <laughs> Things had to happen there.
3: Um, That's how you run Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I did what I had to do. <laughs> you don't know what, what it Brad, was Brad, like. We had just finished yeah. the deployment. The client was standing right around the corner, and my buddies were dying in the mud. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, <they're gone>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just remembered our, our terrible... War story podcast. Oh uh, yeah. God! <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I'm still sorry uh, about that,
2: but yeah, not, not
0: but be. not that sorry. Just a little sorry.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, but yeah, like the use of state machine to trigger no. to trigger new tasks when a new state is yeah yeah when the state of the object is changed rather than do this and then do this and then do this. It's yeah. like do this. And that will that will inform the next. So task. so the and task so the
0: async task ends up being a side effect of the transition, in right. Case.
3: right? I think yeah. I don't know if you were there. I touched on uh, Desoto just a little bit because we had a um, we had the state machine in there for file processing, mm-hmm. and I want to say that's that's how we were doing that because I don't remember writing chains or cords or anything like celery canvas related. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm mean, it's sure.
0: at some point we did kind of have a little bit of a Rube Goldberg device of like HTTP, like because we started standing up microservices that would call yeah. each other, you know. Yeah. So it's just kind of it just kind of felt I don't know what that design pattern was a rubber ball in yeah. a rubber room. It just <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you know but but that was kind of the idea like it
3: it. You know, we get a file, then we would extract the text, and then we load the text into Elasticsearch, and then hand it off to uh, to the PDF maker. Um, and you know, and there was uh, there was an email extractor on top of that as well that could also kick off uh, those tasks.
0: It yeah, would pull emails out of either like Gmail or an IMAP or or out of a flat file if it were like an Outlook backup. Yep. That was a complicated yeah. app. Desoto yeah. for the audience yeah. is a is another internal app we built, but it never launched. Um, right, it's still sitting it, there. We could do something it with it. There's a bunch of I, there's a bunch of IP in that that's that's not earning us anything. And yeah,
3: it would it would be fun to revisit that and think of it in a different context outside of legal. You know, exactly just legal e discovery and just thinking of it more more e discovery or even.
0: Just document, just like just document processing, because that's yeah. essentially what categorization
3: it is, right? and yeah. give
0: give me a bunch of documents. I don't care if you scanned them. I don't care if you pulled them out of someone's email or a thumb drive or an image of a computer. Put them all in here. Put them all in some consistent PDF format. So if they're digital, I can print them. Right. right. Um, and and you know it's it's weird. Like we went both directions. Right? We took a bunch of digital and non digital data. And we yep. took the digital data, and we made it non-digital. And we took non-digital data, and we made it digital. And everything yeah. was both printable and searchable in Elasticsearch. And, and taggable. And taggable, so that you could do some workflows on it. And this goes yeah. here. And, and then you could produce, essentially, a, a stack of PDFs that would get printed out. It was the output of all that tech, and there was some AI that we were working into it. And at yeah. the end of the day, it was all to produce a stack of paper that um, someone walked into a courtroom with. But that's what the legal industry has to do. That's, that's, what, yeah. that's why e-discovery is a thing. And they call it e-discovery instead of discovery because discovery is like what you think of in the movies of like, mm. you know, the people rolling through with the fucking dolly full of boxes of paper. Yeah. E-discovery is everything that you have to do to Gmail to get it into those boxes of paper, <laughs> yeah, you know, like <laughs> yeah. that's, but that's what you, that's, you can't, you you can't bring a thumb drive into the courtroom. Um, right. You got to print it right. out, put some Bates numbers on it and put it in front of the judge so he can thumb through it.
3: it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And everyone has to have the opportunity to be able to look at, it at the same time because you're going to reference, you know, if you look at exhibit number a four, two, yeah. And everyone's
0: got to yeah okay can't okay. go like look at page seven like well page seven's different on mine because my resolution's like 800 by 600 so <laughs> there's only three words on a page you know so you just have to get it into a thing that you can hold in your hand
3: yeah so that one that one would be fun to revisit in a different context a more generalized context because uh, we had we had kind of toyed around with some ideas of how it could be useful for a hiring process if you had a bunch of uh Resumes to look
0: through, scan them you know, through, stuff like and that. make them searchable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I heard from a colleague that uh, they felt that um, uh, it's kind of similar but uh, different uh, compliance type things, right? So, oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. sort of, it like discovery in as much as it's not subject to litigation, but you have internal auditors and organizations that actually want to go download um, you know, like dismissed employees or something like that, go retrieve their entire inbox um and and do some searches on it to make sure that they didn't mess up some sort of regulatory compliance. So they right, haven't been sued yet, right? Food. Exactly. Yeah. They want to yeah. go see they want to go do their own discovery up front to see if they have any liabilities, uh, you know, on on data that they own. I don't mean as like a spy tool. I mean like as right. a, uh, something that they're legally obligated to provide oversight on that right now is really difficult to do because they can't like take everyone in the organization's email and do some really good wholesale searching with it. Outside of the search tools that um, Elasticsearch gives you, and that's the entirety of what made, or not Elasticsearch, I'm sorry, of of what Outlook gives you. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the entirety of what made the Soto so cool. It was like, let's index it in a real search engine, give people like proper, like, ternary and binary search operators and also run some natural language processing on it to like you know turn numbers into text and the other way around turn text numbers into integers so that you can search for like 1 million dollars as an integer right like yeah. show me every document that that contains a dollar figure between this and this and it returns that even if it was written out in prose, like someone wrote a check, $100,000, period, right? Right. Would so show up in it. that search. Yeah, because our NLP would turn that into an integer. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's the cool thing about it. Can they search their email systems now for that kind of compliance? Sure, but that search sucks. Um, so, that's, uh, that, I think there's a lot of cool places for it. Plus, we had that yeah. review tool which basically yeah. turned all of that shit into a stack of paper on your computer yeah. that you could just next thumb, thumb, like you could thumb through the stack and say, oh, that's important, put it over here. This is a really nice workflow to work on it. Yeah. I'm getting really excited right now to go work on DeSoto again.
1: <laughs> like and you, just, like, you have this stuff, and then you can take it and then print it out, but how do you make sure the things that are redacted are redacted?
0: Uh, redaction was a tough thing. This is one of yeah. the reasons why that product never actually hit the shelf.
1: Is yeah. when push came to
0: shove, because um, we didn't go, we didn't fly totally blind. We were working with attorneys that we did document production. Well, what we actually did was we built the tooling around a data set that was produced for our client. So we were given data, and some of that data was already redacted. So all we had to do was process it. And we didn't care about redactions. Um, you know, we, we just, here's what we got. We need to make it where they can thumb through it and tag it and say, okay, this is relevant to our case. We want to bring this one up in court or not. So that's what we built the tool for. And then we said, you know, to make this a real tool, it needs to work both ways. You need to receive a production. You also need to produce a production. And it was things like what you just brought up, Willow, which was like, shit. We, you know, we built all this tool around receiving productions And then when we go to start building the tools to produce it, it's just like, oh, man, redacting stuff in the UI is a really big problem. It's not an impossible one, just one that we had not considered being a barrier to entry. You can't launch this product without giving some sort of redaction tools. Yeah, like
1: you'd have to have the files go through them to where they could see them and then have some kind of drawing on type thing.
0: Yep. And you Mark can, it you can,
1: and then resave it again.
0: Yep, and like what makes it really challenging is in eDiscovery document production, you have to produce in three formats. You have to produce a text-only representation of it, mm. which is easy. That's what we're pulling out with OCR and stuff like that, and tossing. Yeah. We had to do that to get an Elasticsearch anyway, so we just that's a text file, uh, an image production, which is like. The equivalent of what it would look like if you printed it from your computer. That's kind of how the courtroom sees it. So some people, some like discovery software, like literally opens up the email on your computer and caps a screenshot. What we were doing was we built our own email client, basically Gmail that read emails and, and made them all look consistently. And it looked like you printed an email out from a Gmail like client, you know, had the, had the headers and stuff at the top. Um, and then lastly, you have to produce native documents. You have to Mm -hmm. produce the actual electronic file from which the, uh, image and the text were produced. And the problem is that could we build a drawing tool that lets you draw boxes over the text and have that stuff redacted in the image we produce? Yes. Could we redact the text in those boxes? Harder problem, but I think yes. Yes you actually have to be able to redact the information from the native document, too. Yeah, yeah. And that's the real problem is, like, suddenly, it was there was some really good open-source tooling out there that was basically, like, take any Office document and turn it into an image. And we leveraged the shit out of it, and we found the gaps where it didn't work, and we found some other tools we called it together. But we were just rendering it and turning it into a PDF or a TIFF. The other way around where it was like we needed to be able to natively write redactions to a word file, a numbers file, a pages file, Mac, Windows, everything. It was just Windows like got we,
3: all kinds of like proprietary email files. I remember digging into that and, and figuring out what that was, because that was one we were we were processing EML files and then I forget I would have to go back and look the name of the file, but I remember starting there. Like, what the heck is this file extension? Oh, that's a proprietary Windows email format. Yeah. That, that's no longer used.
0: Yeah. But, like, oh, but, but it's it still is. floating out there on a yeah. case that goes back 10 years, right? Yeah, right, right.
1: All yeah. this stuff could be used like from any year almost. Yeah. they still solve cases where nobody's even around to complain about it.
0: Totally. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. if the, the case itself has a statute of limitations, the evidence doesn't. You can file a, a case today that that you build your case on, you know, some contract that was written 40 years ago, right? Um, or like a mortgage, right? Banks do that all the time. They're filing a case on something that happened 20 years ago. so Or, or documents that happened 20 years ago. So, yeah. So, imagine our surprise. It's kind of funny to think about in retrospect. Uh, yeah. It was a little bit silly of just how hard we went <clears throat> at this product. Because we had a customer that paid us to do this work. And to us, that was validation. Like yeah. people paid us to build it from scratch. They'll sure as hell pay a monthly license for it. Go, go, go. And we did. And, and then they,
3: well, the first case was against, like you said, the documents that were already discovered. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were like, okay, cool. And then, they hit us immediately with this other
0: case where they're like, here's a bunch of raw files. Cool, like. go produce this, you know? And <laughs> we're yeah.
3: like, ah, no. Yes. <laughs> like the first one right out the gate. <laughs> yeah,
0: right. The first test case for it, like, failed miserably. And it was just like, we were naive. I was naive as the product owner of that, as the person driving it. I was naive on that. And so, you know, imagine the look on our face when, like, if you've ever been on a long bike ride, like, riding, <laughs> if you've ever ridden mountain bikes and you're riding up switchbacks and you're just like, all right, I'm almost to the top, and then I'm done with this climb. And then you turn the corner and you're like, oh, no, there's still 15 miles left to go. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I can see, we're nowhere near done. And that's what happened when we got into uh, Redactions was one of them. There was one other big roadblock. I forget what it was now redactions and and maybe some sort of automation on the collection side something that was just like hey you have to be able to read this encryption format or something you know yeah i, I, I want to say password protected zip files we're like we didn't have a way to deal with that yeah. that happened in one of our productions here's a bunch of oh, stuff mm-hmm. and there was a practice protected zip file and we're like oh crap well you can't do anything about that and like well we have the password and i was like oh shit okay So they gave you the password. The problem is it was in the middle of this stack of other stacks or a password-protected PDF something. And it was just like we had to find some way that as we're walking through it to surface that to the end user in a web app. I was just like, hey, while we were processing that, we found the password and we needed to prompt them the next time they log in or send a push notification because all this shit was happening in the background overnight. Again, things that were not insurmountable. But made it where it was like, okay, we gotta, we we can't really work on this much longer. We need to get it out there. And then was just like, oh, we're a year away from being able to really solve this problem. It was sad. Yeah, but it was fun yeah. to build all that stuff. And it's like Gosh, I said, it's it still there. Experience. We can yeah. still use it in places, just not yeah. legal discovery. We're not going to make it in that realm. We also yeah. found out that um, in that industry, literally everyone's a lawyer. Yeah, um, <laughs> and uh, pretty much, you know. The, applying all that work that we did to the legal industry basically infringed upon like ten thousand patents. So, I was gonna say that
3: was that was the other thing yeah. was there was there was some of it that was in a proprietary what was that concordance or something concordance like that.
0: Concordance, it was one of the big competitors, concordance it was in a proprietary format of theirs that those damn load files god they call them load files every one yeah. of those tools in eDiscovery has what they call a load file which yeah, is like a shit yeah that concordance is proprietary, and they like they've they've i think they've patented it it's just a csv it's pipe delimited mm-hmm. instead of, no it's not pipe it's it's beta it's a literal like ascii beta character is the delimiter that's their spin on a csv that they could go get a fucking patent over <laughs> it's it's like a it's like a spreadsheet, but we use the beta character. No one will ever think of that.
3: Yeah, no one else does that.
0: We should do it, but we should use alpha. Yeah, fuck those betas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Concordance Relativity uh, Logical was the only Logical was the only competitor out there that was like actually doing something web based and, and yeah, right. Yeah. Everything else, you had to like install it on a Windows ninety eight machine and plug it in. Yeah. Plug it, it in between like someone's monitors. Yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, the UI look like it too, yeah.
0: But yeah, there's definitely some artwork in there that can be applied outside of the legal industry legally. because uh, all of those patents are specific to eDiscovery. So they cannot be used in, in other uh, um, venues, you know. Or the mm-hmm. patents can't, I mean. So right. so it'd be fun. We could do that. We could find some other applications for it if we find some time. But right now our distraction is delegate. Yep. So if a 1,000 of you sign up and p- start paying for accounts, it'll generate enough revenue that we can go chase some other shiny thing. And we can bring DeSoto back. It's on you. It's on you guys to the Let's bring DeSoto back. <laughs> We're going to start a bring DeSoto back campaign.
1: I don't know much <laughs> about Day Hernando again.
0: DeSoto. That might, be, that might be a bad thing. I don't yeah, know. I forgot about that. forgot who we named him. the it one yeah.
1: who died in Arkansas. Uh,
0: well, he discovered Little Rock. That was the yeah. reference there. You know, he was an explorer. Uh, yeah. But I admittedly don't know enough about his, his there were There were no explorers of the Americas uh, that did not have a tremendous amount of blood on their hands. Mm. Um, but he
1: had, like, syphilis or something. I was going to
0: say also diseases, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, he had uh, he had he had likely. syphilis and the syphilis had smallpox uh <laughs> yep but the but the logo was cool it had the little yeah. it had the little spanish uh conquistador helmet
3: yeah with a with a d on it there
0: a little DeSoto soto d
2: Wait, the D was on the helmet, or the helmet had the D on it.
3: The helmet the, was uh, the D had the helmet on. The helmet incorporated
0: the D. Yeah, I I, let me find it. it. Where the hell is this yeah. logo? It's sitting around somewhere. I didn't. I forgot. You guys hadn't seen this. This is before Tyrell's time as a oh. Loftifarian. Um That's true. Our, the logo is designed by a few actually.
3: Oh, that's right. We I went after we the. Did we we did got the day big day dogs.
0: Happen. We got the real. The real people. Yeah, man. Shit was expensive. <laughs> 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 so help us bring DeSoto back. Yeah no shit.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Here you go. I uh I have no means to share this with the audience. Sorry, audience. This isn't on the web anywhere for me to uh show you. But yeah. See the little helmet? And the D? I like it.
1: It was good. It's actually giving me some delegate vibes a little Where
0: do bit. you think I fucking jacked oh, that yeah. colour palette from? <laughs> I paid like I paid like $6,000 for this color palette. <laughs> I'm fucking using it. <laughs> yeah, no totally. The uh the icon inset into the text and the color palette. Yeah, inspiration for the Delegate logo. So that's fun, you know? It uh yep. we I got to revive it in that way. Yeah.
3: Well, I'm going to point that out when you show us the Delegate cuz I I knew. I was like, "Oh." Yeah, I knew you would. Yeah, do. I knew you yeah. would see it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good, good job. I posted that logo, and Megan said something on like that looks really good. You know, I've been studying color theory, and I was like, I haven't. I just stole that from a very expensive design <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that we paid for, and we well, bought I it. Say, yeah, it yeah. Still, I is. own that color palette. Yeah. Damn it, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, that own, all and that little and that kunke store I own we <laughs> own that I don't care what our next product is it's called DeSoto. The <laughs> <laughs>
1: thing about color palettes is like if you you're just like oh I'm just gonna use these three colors
0: right and so he's right.
1: like I use those three colors you can't I don't it's, know if that works
0: it's a crazy world uh it's you know it's let me think about that if it's like cra- think
1: about all the teams that use orange and blue.
0: Right,
1: like, you gonna have a copyright on orange and blue? <laughs> so you can't
0: copyright. It would be uh, it would be a trademark thing. And the thing about trademark is, um, it ha- you have to prove that it confuses your audience. So mm-hmm. like, usually, what that means in court, and I learned this through doing uh, all this damn discovery work, because um, okay. so much of it was around intellectual property law. Our client was intellectual property lawyers, so we actually ran through DeSoto, DeSoto a bunch of claims about uh, this very thing. Um, Usually it has to be within the same industry. So like someone else can have a product called DeSoto with the exact same colors. And if it's like a soap company that makes commercial dishwasher liquid, there's no, there's no way they can argue in court that they thought our DeSoto, like their customers didn't buy dish soap and bought discovery software instead, because they were confused about who is the real DeSoto. Um, So fortunately, there's a lot of leeway in that. Um, if there's another company called DeSoto that makes web-based software getting a little trickier. If it's web-based software that services the same industry, definitely you're in a risky place as far as uh, violation. Also, to our audience, I'm not a fucking lawyer. So that was my yeah. advice. None of that was legal advice. None of that was legal or accurate. Uh, so talk to your very expensive IP attorney. Mm. That's federal law. They're not cheap. Um. All right. I guess it's time to call it. That's call it. it a day. How long
3: we've been rambling? I just want to point out I really like Tyrell's uh, Bob's Burgers.
0: I mentioned that I liked it. I didn't tell the audience what it was. The Bob's Burger. It's like you're sitting in the booth at Bob's yeah. Burgers. That's a good one.
3: It's pretty
2: great. I'm pretty proud of this one.
0: I'll end on this thought. I don't know if you guys ever watch uh, uh Babish on YouTube, either binging yeah. with or basics with. Basics with Babish. Yeah, binging. I've done basics. So Basics is his actual like cooking lesson show. He just like you know pretty much. I mean it's 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 basics, but it's it's comprehensive. Like how to do how to make a a, a proper bechamel sauce, like that kind of stuff. So he's got a bunch of really good stuff there. But the binging he makes uh, he makes ridiculous food that is like immortalized in TV and cartoon, like not even possible right. stuff that he attempts to make. Um, and he tries to – he makes so many of the burgers from Bob's Burgers on that show, uh, right. which is a lot of fun. He had um, – what's his name? Uh, the actor that plays Bob and also Archer um, on on Anything. a recent episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Arby's guy. Yeah. They had him – he had him on for an episode to make margaritas together. The Archer Margarita, if you're not familiar with the Archer Margarita. Uh,
1: you guys watch Archer?
0: I fucking love that show.
1: Man, that's such a good show. It's like
0: one of the best shows ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have not, I have
0: not kept up with it in some of the spin-off yeah, seasons, either. but I've I, seen, I've seen a lot of it and I'm such a good, fan. I'm on, such yeah. a fan. Like first three seasons, probably the
1: one where they're like drug dealers that whole season. That was a good one.
0: <laughs> it's H. John Benjamin. I could not remember yeah, his name. Yeah. So he's, he's on an episode of, uh uh Basics with, or binging with Babish recently, which is fun. So, if you haven't seen it, you should go watch it. All right, good. Well, you guys have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. We'll see you, we'll see you afterward. See you next week for something. I don't know, we got something going next week. More Kubernetes, yeah, <laughs> more app building, I guess, huh?
3: More app building yeah. and failing deploys the first time,
0: mm hmm. Yeah, more rerun from failed in Circle CI. <laughs> <laughs> All right everybody. We'll see you in a week. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Friday Afternoon Deploy, recorded and produced by the team at Lofty Labs. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to future episodes via iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. You can also follow at Friday Deploy on Facebook and Twitter for episode previews, live streams, and other behind-the-scenes peeks. Past episodes and show notes on this episode can be found at friday.hirelofty.com. That's friday.hirelofty.com. If you'd like to contact the show, or if you're local to the Northwest Arkansas area and would like to be a guest on the show, you can email us at podcast at com.